Good morning, everyone. Happy half-term hump day, which is why I look like this and not the person in the titles. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by The Mirror's assistant editor, Jason Beatty. Morning, Jason. Good morning, Susie. Who has gone into the office like a good person. I know. Now, this is People's Pay-Per-View. So get into the comments, ask us your questions. Those of you listening later on podcast uh, are just going to have to tell everyone that they can't see it or things that they want to see. Uh, morning, everybody. What are you saying there, Paul? Sorry, I've got something up on my screen. The best paper out there. Uh, yeah. We like and, Paul. He can come again. All, yes, you can come <laughs> again. And uh, in fact, you want a job. Um, anyway, so what have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on Boris Johnson running away, just for a change, uh, this time from his latest scandal about the COVID inquiry. And it isn't even over what he did or said or knew, but a about whether the COVID inquiry is allowed to know what he did or said or knew, and most importantly, to whom he said it. Now, Jason, take us through this, because it's a very complicated row about the process and powers of a statutory inquiry, which, as I understand it, has very broad powers to ask for whatever evidence it damn well pleases. Why are they even arguing about it? Because uh, there's obviously something very embarrassing <laughs> or difficult or nasty in these WhatsApp messages. Uh, which the government doesn't want released. Um, it, it's really confusing um, how they've got to this situation. So COVID inquiry, quite understandably, the chair, Baroness Hallett, has, has requested the, the private WhatsApp messages between three ministers and officials. Um, mm. uh, the cabinet office has then said, uh, you can't have some of them because some of them, are, and this is a quote, are, and unambiguously irrelevant. Um, why they decide this and not the COVID inquiry decides what's relevant and what isn't is, is, is a question for itself. Then they suddenly, the cabinet officer said, but they actually don't have this information anyway. Um, how they had it at one point to decide it wasn't relevant, and then they don't have it, nobody quite knows. Maybe like Rebecca Bardi's phone, it's been dropped in the North Sea. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and then just to make it even more complicated, Boris Johnson, um, and we know from Boris Johnson, he may not always be trustworthy. I'm putting it as politely as possible. Really? Yeah. I, I know shocking news, but it, 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 we but need to bear that in mind. Um, has He's indicated that he's actually willing to hand over messages himself if he was asked. Bookmark that one, Susie. We have no idea if that's going to happen or not. Yeah. <laughs> So that's the kind of where we are. We've got a standoff. Um, the COVID inquiry is given until tomorrow evening. Um, that's a 24-hour extension on what they, or 48-hour extension on what they previously had to hand over this information. The Cabinet Office is threatening legal action to block this information, which means it could end up in a massive court row, which would delay the COVID inquiry. And who would benefit from delaying the COVID inquiry, Susie? The government, because this information would come out after the election. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody in government, but nobody who's not in government, who would quite like to hear some answers. This is yeah. very interesting. What do you think, everybody? Um, why is Boris Johnson uh, offering to hand this over? Why is he not handed it over already? Why is the Cabinet Office blocking it? Who knows? We perhaps find out in the course of this. So 
Mike says, why would Johnson and the Cabinet Office go to so much trouble to cover mere embarrassment by something by Johnson? If he called Matt Hancock a bad word, nobody would mind. Many would agree. There must be something very damaging for Johnson and or Sunak in those messages. It's true, isn't it, Jason? Because as soon as anybody says, it's not just journalists who get this, but as soon as anybody says, no, you can't see that, everyone goes, oh, hello. There's lots here then, isn't there? Um, and even if, for example, there's a WhatsApp about Boris and Carrie's shopping list, okay, and the lawyers or the cabinet office say, well, that's clearly irrelevant. It's got nothing to do with the COVID inquiry. If there's something on that shopping list that says, I don't know, hand gel, disinfectant hand gel, before we were all told to use disinfectant hand gel, then, I mean, it does, it is relevant suddenly. That's why statutory inquiries have really broad powers. It's because... You know, these things can can be stuff that appears irrelevant to other people, but that's where the the cover up almost comes in, isn't it? And it's the cover up that catches them out every time, not actually yep. the thing that they did, usually. So he's if I go on, Jace. No, I was just going to say the Hancock is, is incredibly relevant here because of his his COVID diaries, uh, which the hundreds of messages got selectively leaked to the Telegraph. We don't know if the Telegraph published all of them, by the way, which is quite an important fact. There is a precedent now that if some of this information is already out in the public domain, then the COVID inquiry, and more importantly, and we'll come on to this, the bereaved relevance, relatives of those who died for, from the coronavirus, they, they have a right, I think, to know all this information, not just the partial release of it. Uh, and I don't think it's fair on people who lost loved ones, that we can have the selective divulgence of information in this way. Mm. And I think that's quite important. And, and there's a quote in, in, in the mirror today for, from somebody called Becky Krumner, who, who, who's part of the kind of the brief families groups, who, who, who very pointedly says, I was WhatsApping my dad his by the final messages to him. And you think, you know, the, the the people who are blocking the release information should just think just for a small time, just a little bit, about how this must be perceived by those who are unable to be with their loved ones at the time mm. and how important it is to them that they get to the actual truth of what happened. Yeah. Now, Anne-Marie says they don't want the people to know the truth about their incompetence in not acting sooner or responsibly from start to finish during the global pandemic. That certainly raises that kind of suspicion, doesn't it, Anne-Marie? So Boris Johnson, from what I can tell, Boris Johnson provided these diaries and WhatsApps to his lawyers who told the Cabinet Office that much of it was irrelevant and personal, and then he fired his lawyers. Uh, so the Cabinet Office has been telling the inquiry chair, Baroness Hallett, that she can't have it because it's irrelevant, but it hasn't actually got them itself to check this at all. So she's now demanding they hand it over and they haven't got it in order to hand it over. So Johnson has a new set of lawyers, also funded by us, which um, have started coming through it and they can make it available to Hallett. But that's going to take some time. It's all going to take longer and set the whole inquiry timetable back a bit, perhaps a bit further past the next general election. And I'd have thought as there is plainly a lot of red meat in there, Hallett is just going to, the next stage is just that Hallett would go to war with the lawyers and ask them to give it all to her team so she can assess it herself. I mean, that's what's going to happen. They can't really refuse if she says to the lawyers, give me, give me the WhatsApps or else. And this is a key thing. It should be for the inquiry to decide what is relevant and not relevant. It shouldn't be for, for, for officials or, 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 or politicians. 
I mean, I mean, the, the, the cabinet office should, is, is, shouldn't be able to judge whether something is unambiguously irrelevant or not. They, they, they're not in that position. They're, you know, but the COVID inquiry is perfectly capable of distinguishing, as you said, between a shopping list for nappies and a shopping list for, you know, £25 million mm. worth of PPE from a Tory donor. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they can do this. That, that's, that's my gift. And, 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 you know, if some of these WhatsApp messages are, you know, just gossip or joshing, that's not going to be relevant to the inquiry anyway, so they won't be used. But mm. it's not for the politicians to just make this decision. No. And Jackie says, do the government actually believe the people are stupid? We are dog tired of cover ups enough already. Yes, they do think you're stupid, Jackie. And they think that you will have forgotten about it and moved on to something else by the time you get to the ballot box. That is how they have always operated, <laughs> regardless of party and power, pretty much in this country. Now, the cabinet office is sort of, if you don't know, it's sort of like the prime minister's department, I suppose. It's like the beating heart of government that kind of authorises pretty much everything that goes on. It's got bigger and bigger over the years. Uh, it's unwieldy, it's bureaucratic. And when I've had dealings with it over the nuclear weapons, uh, nuclear test veterans story that I do, uh, it's even more obtuse sometimes than the MOD, which is going some. But there are some now, Jason, saying that, you know, on the one hand, the cabinet office is politically inept, run by an idiot who's doing lots of silly things. And there are others saying, Aha, but it's not just Boris Johnson's WhatsApps that we're talking about, it's who WhatsApped him, which includes, and will include, the current Prime Minister, current pri current Ministers of Government, and Simon Case, the current Head of the Civil Service, and Permanent Secretary at the Cabinet Office. So is this, kind of, Boris is, you know, sucking all the, all the oxygen out of the room like normal, but is this actually trying to stop the WhatsApps of associated people and using Boris as a bit of cover? I think there's an element of that. I, I, I mean, it, it, in some ways, you know, the behaviour of Boris Johnson is this kind of kind of muddying an already complicated picture. Um, we, you know, as always with Boris Johnson, he'll, he'll be doing what is best for him and what is to his advantage. That's how he's always operated. But, but you raise a kind of a, a much more important point, which is, is, how much do we know about what goes on in government? Um, mm. And even somebody who's covered kind of Parliament in Westminster for more than a quarter of a century, we actually know very, very little. Um, I remember one very, very senior number 10 official once telling me that journalists probably know about 10% what goes on and 90% is kept hidden. Um, and so it's kind of like, this is a, 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 a very rare opportunity to, to, to get under the bonnet of the machinery of government and, and, and see how very messy and how badly wired and how greasy um, the whole operation is. Um, I can understand the reluctance because obviously, you know, if you see how sausages are made, you never want to eat another sausage. Um, but the problem for them, and I, I, and I don't think they realised this at the time is is that the Matt Hancock, he 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 you know he he made a precedent by by mm. releasing all this information, uh, inadvertently or not. Yeah, we now know that these documents, a lot of these documents, are out there, and therefore there is an incredible duty on them to give the relatives and the public the complete picture, not just a partial picture. Yeah. OK, now we're going to move on to Phil and Holly next. But I just want to say one class thing. Some of the stuff that's um, been withheld so far is 
Boris Johnson's personal diaries that he kept during the COVID crisis. Apparently there's 24 of them, which as far as I can tell is a book a month, um, which uh, he couldn't possibly be sitting on that um, for, you know, perhaps to write his own COVID diaries after all this. Could he, Jason, perhaps protect his exclusive? I mean, I mean, you know, I, how did he find time to do this? It's, it's quite a mystery. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> He's WhatsApping one minute and uh, writing yeah. his diaries for his future um, uh, book deal the next. Was he, was he ever running the country at all? Or was he too busy? Well, no one saw any evidence of it, did they? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that may explain an awful lot, of course. <laughs> Maybe one of the things Baroness Halleck wants to look at. Right, thank you for taking yeah. us through that, Jace. But we need to go on now to um, Phil and Holly, which is the biggest story of the day. Um, so. What we've got here, uh, there's rather row, basically, about the king and queen of breakfast TV having a fallout might not seem too important to a lot of people. Or, indeed, perhaps his hidden and later confessed adulterous relationship with a young showrunner who, by all accounts, was left none too happy about it after it ended. Um, there is a bigger issue at stake here. Now, the ITV licence is up for renewal. And there are, you know, um, usually some kind of morality clauses within ITV or TV licensing renewal, which is it has to be done by you know fit and proper people and has to meet certain standards and so on. So the bosses are going to be quizzed by a parliamentary committee and they're going to focus on the toxic culture at ITV and who knew what about the Philip Schofield scandal, scandal aren't they, Jason? Yes. I mean, I, I'm so this is the, the 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 cultural media and sport committee which is looking at the the media bill which is kind of the future of public service broadcasting in Britain. So but this inquiry is already going uh, going on. And then um, I, you, it looks opportunistic to me. It probably is. I'll say something else. I'll say, you know, this is a kind of, you know, a, a, a proper chance to investigate how a public service broadcasting company has operated or some guff like that. But it does look a bit opportunistic. So they, they, they've now kind of like um, invited the head of ITV, Carolyn McCall, along to give evidence and oh we can ask about holly and phil as well and guess what we get lots of headlines from doing it yes um i, I mean how relevant what one show on itv uh, uh among the many hours of broadcasting they do on multiple channels um it is to to the future of public service broadcasting i, I mean i i'm not convinced it's that relevant at all personally but hey the cultural yeah. media and sport committee get a moment in the spotlight um, and they kind of, you know, they can show that they're, they're in tune with, with, you know, what really matters in the country, which is yes. you know, who's in the sofa. They, they do like to get themselves on the television and they do like yeah. to look like they're doing their job and earning their money, which is just part yeah. of, you know, once you get elected, you do have to keep showing it kind of thing. If they, you know, it's uh, politics is showbiz for ugly people, isn't it? So um, that's that's partly why they do tend to call people in if they're in the news and find a reason to talk to them. But... Mm. A lot of the stuff that's come out about Phil and Holly about who knew what, where Dr. Ranch said he made a complaint and it never went anywhere uh, and that he then got managed out of the show. Um, it, there is potential there, perhaps, for someone to start talking about, well, who, which bosses knew what and when at ITV? And what did you do about it? What did you do when Dr. Ranch came to you with a problem? What did you do about it? Did Holly Willoughby ever complain? Did anyone else ever complain? Did this showrunner ever bring it to you? You said you had had... Um, some kind of mini investigation into the Philip Schofield business, but you couldn't find any evidence and you dropped it. How hard did you look exactly? And did you treat him any differently afterwards? Did you speak to him? Did you discipline him? They can ask a lot of really quite awkward questions, which I'm sure the ITV bosses 
would rather not answer because the relevance to it is if there's a management issue, if it's not just about Philip Schofield and whatever he did or didn't do, but it's a management issue at the top of ITV, then there's potential perhaps for someone saying, well, look, you should all be out of a job. I, my view is that if this committee wants to look at anything, it really should be looking at things like GB News and how a, a kind of, you know, a, a kind of a, a, a channel which is kind of stretching the limits of impartiality rules by a kind of giving air to conspiracy theorists and anti-vaxxers, et cetera, is allowed to operate. That to me is a much more serious issue than, 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 than you know, which personality shares a sofa with another personality on, on one particular programme, Susie. And, and you know, yeah, something obviously went very wrong on this morning and there was a kind of obviously a... a an issue with with the internal politics and the cultural politics and but it's one program and it's like you know itv does hundreds of hours of programming on on its its various channels yeah and and yeah. to kind of obsess about this and say that the whole organization kind of rests on just what happened all this morning seems to me preposterous well, it may be, but, you know, what happens if Caroline McCall comes out and says something which is indicative or says, you know, well, you know, the, the ITV management tend to do X, Y and Z in these situations. And then someone who worked on an Anton Deck show or someone who worked on Loose Women or someone who worked on one of the other ITV shows, well, says, hang on, I know for a fact that that isn't what happened when I made a complaint about such and such. And then they go to the papers, you know, because when she comes out and when, when whatever she says, there could be enough people hanging on it to start using that in the same way that we saw Boris Johnson's interview at the airport in uh, in Dallas the other day and that he was starting to sort of almost hang himself with the stuff he started saying that definitely hadn't happened that you know later on you're going to bookmark and come back to it and you go well all this got proved wrong didn't it um if she comes out whatever she says it's going to get picked over by so many people there is the potential there for it to snowball considerably out of just being as you've said about it's, one it's personality Far more. It's telly, Susie. This is what, you know, it's filled with well-paid, fragile egos who, you know, have kind of like, you know, I've got, you, know you only have to watch Drop the Dead Donkey to, to know what telly's like. <laughs> <laughs> there are people watching the show who now have to Google Drop the Dead Donkey. And trying to yeah. what earth that was. Um, I was trying. I remember trying to watch it, and I was like thirteen. My mum said I couldn't. Um, now Mike says it's interesting that Eamon Holmes said this week that everyone knew, but oddly he didn't know or didn't say at the time. We were saying off air, Mike. Um, one of the things about the Philip Schofield scandal is that there have been rumours going about for a long time that there was something amiss uh, with Philip at this morning. And the rumours I heard were things about being very controlling and perhaps a little bit bullying and that there were rumours about a fling with somebody. But it's no good hearing a rumour if you don't have the person who can confirm it for you. And the fact that the person who has confirmed it has now, you know, whatever, has told some lawyers that was involved with something that Philip Schofield was doing and that's got to the journalist and then they're able to confront Philip Schofield with it. That is not because everyone knew something and didn't say and sat on it or Eamon Holmes sat on it. It's just that you can kind of see things and you're just not able to do anything about it. I'd only went on the This Morning Sofa once with Phil and Holly and um, they were both quite charming. But then one point in the interview, Philip suddenly sort of snapped a bit at me and the other guest. I thought, oh, you're not very nice, are you? But 
that was it. And you know, I, I was just left with a sense that he probably was a bit of a, a bit of a bully underneath. But I couldn't do anything about it. I wasn't part of the show. I didn't know anybody there. You know, and someone snaps at you once, it's not grounds for a complaint, is it? Um, and that's the kind of thing I suspect that Eamon Holmes and others may have seen, something that's not quite enough to complain about. And we've seen that in lots of different scandals, whether it's Me Too, whether it's um, the Harvey Weinstein business. People have seen things and, and until someone actually comes out with the confirmation of the big awful thing, there's nothing anyone can really do, unfortunately. Um, but we are where we are. And Jason is going to have to enjoy the fact that uh, in the next week or so, there's going to be a lot of showbiz journalists turning up in Parliament saying, what's this then? And why Honestly, is this we, we, what's the committee? We, we need it. We need, we need, some, we need some, a sprinkling of showbiz glamour on the very boring world I operate in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the politicians will love it too. Um, pity we yeah. don't have the 3am girls anymore, but they would obviously have, have turned up and sat at the back of the select committee yeah. if they... Uh, if they could, we'll we'll have to see how things pan out a little bit in there. Um, Nothing can be weirder than the time when I covered Yuri Geller, Michael Jackson, and Keith Baz doing a tour of Parliament. <laughs> what happened? I, we still have no idea why the three of them were there. Good Lord, oh, I don't know which of those people is the most scandalous. <laughs> <sighs> Keith Baz, Yuri Geller, and Michael Jackson all in the same. Yeah, it's very very odd. I, I it's it hard. To, Yes. Is there photographic evidence of this? I think we should see. Yes. This is the kind of thing that happens when you talk to journalists. They suddenly pop up with something and you go, what? It derails everything you're doing. Um, now, there is some talk in the papers. Let us know what you think about this, everybody, by the way, about Philip making a comback. Do you think that he could go on Strictly Come Dancing? Do you think he could um, restore his reputation with a with a weep fest in the I'm a Celebrity Jungle, which is what some papers are talking about. Now, the BBC, his side said, I think, last week that he might do Strictly, but his the BBC very quickly scotched that and said, no. Eamon Holmes has said Holly won't be back on the sofa again, although she is due back on Monday, so who knows what Eamon actually knows. Um, it's certain GB news, which may be part of the problem. Although she, uh, and there are some saying the entire show all of this morning could just go off air and that's it, no more after the summer break. And it does seem to be that there's a lot of people, just journalistically speaking, Jason, there's a lot of people taking a very sharp step backwards, right? There's a lot, of, you know, I didn't know, he lied to me. <laughs> reverse, 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 because they can kind of, it smells like there's more to this somewhere and it's going to come out somehow. I mean, I think, you know. Just the fact everyone's reversing that bothers me, you know? Yeah, I think Phil is too talented a broadcaster not to come back. In, in what format, I don't know. I mean, he may be back in a broom cupboard with Gordon, the gopher, who knows. But, it, I, you know, you, if you're advising him, you, you, you know, you'd say, wait a few months or weeks, and then you do the... the, 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 the professional interview as a one to know, probably peers or something like that. That's how you do it, isn't it? And, yeah. and you kind of you unburden your soul. You get the public sympathy. You you admit that you 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 made mistakes, um, uh, and, and, and then you know you, then you give it a little another break, and then you kind of slowly rebuild it with kind of fairly innocuous kind of programs, kind mm. of one-offs. I mean, I, I'm not sure he's kind of this kind of the the celeb route or the strictly route is probably the best way of doing it. I think it's more you know, and as I say, you know, if it all goes really really wrong, there's always GB News. 
<laughs> could yet see Gordon the Gopher on GB News. Uh, Emma says it should be Holly and the ITV bosses who should be sitting in front of a committee explaining what was going on. Um, I'm sure there will be more questions to ask if anyone ever gets to that point, but I'm sure also they'll have quite a lot of lawyers with them and be saying there's some things they just can't say, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but as far as the old sort of mayor culpa in a return to return to tv celebrity goes where do you think anybody that he could possibly pitch up and chase and i tend to think that actually it's far too soon to talk about any of this because the scandal isn't finished it just smells like there's more there and you've really got to wait to see what everything comes out what is going to come out Mm -hmm. and wait for that to happen before you can even start to think about rehabilitating yourself at all jan says i think phil should simply fade away into retirement um be a bit like andrew ridgely and just move to cornwall and stay there uh it may well happen uh who knows we'll have to see jason thinks he can make a bit of a comeback at some point uh maybe great antiques road trip that kind of thing something innocuous um but you know there's all kinds of i think unfortunately there isn't anybody advising phil at the moment because everybody who was advising him (laughs) stopped doing it which is one of those the sharp step back thing that seems to be happening even homes under the hammer that'll be it (laughs) Eamon Holmes under the hammer. (laughs) Who knows? Um, We'll find out, I'm sure. Um, But um, I I do think that when it goes to Parliament, actually, Jason, you will be watching that as thoroughly and as carefully as everybody else will be to hear what is said by Caroline McCall about whatever was really going on there, because there's definitely something my nose doesn't lie now um thank you for that jason thank you everybody for um taking part in that get into the question get into the comments let us know what do you think where should phil and holly go next where should phil go next what should happen to this morning what do you think the covid inquiry should do to get hold of these whatsapps does it matter if there's you know boris johnson's shopping list does it matter do we care they're all the people who died unfortunately are still dead is it going to um, uncover anything useful or is this just something that we're going to have to just kind of admit that something went dreadfully wrong and we all know who it was and we don't need to waste millions of pounds and lots of years getting there. Who knows? Uh, Let us know what you think. But in the meantime, we have a wrap up at the end. But in the meantime, uh, there is some good news in the world. We found it for you. Here it is. (laughs) Hooray and huzzah. The price of milk and cheese is coming down at last. Sainsbury's, Tesco, M&S have all announced a cut to prices of up to 60% in their basic goods. They're saying the cost of energy in producing them has dropped. Cost of commodities, the bits that you use to make them, stuff like that. So Sainsbury's yoghurt has gone from a pound down to 40p, which is a cut of 60%. Cheddar's gone from four quid to £3.70. And Tesco's cut the price of milk by five pence. Jason, is this proof that the happy, inflation-free world Rishi Sunak keeps promising us is just around the corner? Or is it proof that we are being charged 60% too much for this stuff to start with? Well, yeah, I, I, I was going to question if this was, should come under the good news matter. I mean, um, the, 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 this seems to be more of a response to, to the, the, the tax, the criticism the supermarkets have been coming under for what they call greedflation, which is kind of the, 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 the raising of, of the, the prices um, when they didn't necessarily have to do it. Mm. Yeah. And that they've stayed high after yeah. energy. Now, now, the, the supermarkets deny they've done this uh, quite strongly. They say there's no evidence of greedflation. But I would point out that between 2019 and 2022, the profit margins for most of the major supermarkets rose from about 5.7% to 10.7%. Um, I'd also point out that, that Tesco 
Asda and Sainsbury's collectively last year made more than three billion pounds in profits. Um, so they've done very nicely, thank you, over the last few years, um, as the rest of us have, have struggled with the consequences of, of um, COVID, Brexit, war in Ukraine, etc. Um, so it's very nice of them to, to finally make my packet of cheddar a little bit cheaper. Um, but I'm not so, I'm very grateful. No, there is that, isn't there? Because if it wasn't greedflation, if they weren't chiseling us and just finding the excuse mm, of uh, yeah. energy prices to raise the prices of stuff, then they would have exactly the same profits they had the year before because they've only raised the profit by how mm. much the sourcing has gone, the price by the sourcing. And that's just not what's happened. They've made extra cash. So mm, we we all know roughly what's going on there, don't we? But it's got to be said, overall inflation, uh, prices, food inflation this month is down just 0.3%. Um, so it seems to be taking a while to trickle through. But if the cost of milk and butter and cheese and eggs and so on drops, then overall food inflation is supposed to come down in the months to come because the things that you use in that dried milk, dried egg, that kind of stuff uh, goes into cakes and other food and other things that get produced. The price should come down over time, which is one of the things Rishi Sunak will be banking on. But in the meantime, a higher likelihood of macaroni cheese. Mm -hmm former tea which would be with some actual cheese in it for once which would be nice um now do we have any questions to wrap up before we go on phil and holly and where on earth his career is going to be coming next jan says i think holly shouldn't be embroiled in the philip saga she shouldn't be judged in the same light she's an individual with her own family just because she's been implicated in some way if she's to be believed she's been lied to as well it is entirely possible jan to sit next to someone on the sofa for 13 years and not know a damn thing that's happening in their private life especially if they're lying to you about it so and they do tend i think especially in this country and in western culture generally well lots of cultures actually just to blame the woman and say well you must have known must have, you must have been your fault why didn't you tell him why didn't you stop him and it's not up to her if philip's done something wrong it's up to philip and nobody else um so you know that's that frankly uh, have we got any more is that it for the end i think we've got one from mike if they bring back Gordon the Gopher, I may have to abandon the news agenda explained. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to want my mug back for that. And I'll find it here somewhere. I don't know where it's gone. Uh, oh, yes, I do. Wait a minute. Stay there. <laughs> don't have Gordon the Gopher. But we do have Pinky Punky the Cheeky Monkey. Right? This is my daughter's playroom and she's got Pinky Punky. So if they have Gordon the Gopher back somewhere, Pinky Punky will be here. And uh, will help us co-host, yes, co-host the news agenda. You should do this, just you two, next week. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a guest. Unfortunately, you, you and Pinky Punky the monkey would be fine. <laughs> Pinky Punky the cheeky monkey doesn't squeak. He just he just does cheeky things and is annoying. So uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Not, not very vocal, Pinky Punky, but thank you for that, Mike. Uh, thank you, everyone, for taking part. Thank you, Jason, for explaining it all to us and getting through the Phil and Holly stuff. Um, and I think... I think it was Pinky a struggle, Punky, but we made it. <laughs> I think Pinky Punky the Cheeky Monkey is the one that's going to go to social media later on yeah. and get clipped and spread everywhere. We've got a new star, everybody, and it's Pinky Punky. All right, thank you, everyone, for taking part. Uh, we will see you all again Monday for the start of the new school term and uh, hopefully a mummy that has time to have a shower in the morning before she comes on here. Right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you all next week. Tatty, bye.